0: This is The Backpass, a podcast for sports nerds, by sports nerds. Welcome to The Backpass. My name is Ali Milwala and tonight we're going to talk coaches and coaching. and What makes a coach and who hires a coach and why do they get hired? Hello and welcome to the Backpass. My name is Ali Mawala and today I am joined by the one and lonely Kevin. Um, it is just going to be the two of us Kevin.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a it's it's a date, isn't it? Like it's just one on one session,
0: right? Do you, ha- do we you have get a to candle enjoy- handy? Like should we, yeah. we get a candle?
1: <laughs> yeah, we're pretty close to we're pretty close to Valentine's Day, so it could be the Valentine's edition of the yeah. the Back pass.
0: <laughs> the back pass duet edition, the one, the one on one. Let's talk. Let's talk coaches. So, some crazy coaching news. Obviously, in the last few weeks, there have been two sackings in the English Premier League: Frank Lampard at Everton, and now Jesse Marsh at Leeds. And they both only had the job for a year. Oh, what? What happened, you know, and along with this as well, uh, just with these two, there's also the tie-in with what the hell is going on at Southampton? And are they the next one as well? Because um, they're probably on that list.
1: Yeah. Um, So let's start with the latest um, firing, sacking. Um, there's so many terms for it. Uh, I think Jesse Marsh, I think that was a little bit unwarranted. It's, it's difficult for you to have the, or have the expectation that you're going to have the, you know, Ten Hag, Pep, Arteta effect straight away. Um, that's unreasonable for a mid-table club. It's not easy to change a culture in a club, in any club. And uh, I don't think I don't think it sets the right like, especially for these kinds of like you can you look at it you look at it, for instance Brantford or Brighton who've um who've done who who are the mid table clubs that most clubs should model themselves against. They have a particular strategy and that's from top down and they hire their coaches in that same strategy. Mm. It kind of feels like both of these clubs are just running around like headless chickens. Making knee-jerk reactions, not really considering the long-term plan and how it fits into that plan, and really playing things out—that's um, just that's just personal opinion. Somebody looking from the outside. Well,
0: Kevin, I know you mentioned you mentioned Mikel Arteta, and I just want to remind all our Arsenal fans and Arsenal listeners that Mikel Arteta took over a mid-table club, yep, right? Exactly. Arsenal were firmly in the mid-table. And even when he did take over, they finished eight three years in a row. Or around about, they finished eighth a couple of years in a row there under Mikel Arteta, when Mikel Arteta was still coach. Um, they got close to Champions League, then fell off. And, you know, they've, they've been that mid-table team. And now the patience and the signings that have kind of, you know, bringing in the style have kind of worked out. And now he can actually demonstrate his coaching. because. He's had a few years to work through some of the things, some of the things with some of the players, or bring in the right guys. Um, Jesse Marsh obviously hasn't been given that time. But to be honest, were we surprised once Leeds fired Marco Bisla Biesla, that it was just not good? It, it was always going to be a shit show after after Biesla Yeah, that's, that's
1: exactly what I mean, right? Like it's top down. It's not a. It's not a. Co- it, you you can't blame Jesse Marsh in that situation. I mean, and I think this is where we probably need to put the separator in. I, I think March is a good coach given the right environment and structure. Mm. I think Lampard is not a good coach regardless of the structure. <laughs> um, and that may be harsh, yeah. but we've we've had two stints now. One's first with Chelsea, which is should be a top of the table team. Um, and he was given time, you know, Mm. You know, if rumblings are correct with with Potter and um, you know the fan unrest continues, then I think Potter will have a shorter st- stint than Lampard. But Oof. and that, and I don't think that's reasonable because Potter's a proven coach in the league, um, and Lampard isn't. So there's no way that Lampard should have have the same tenure. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Tuchel took the same exact squad that Lampard had and midway through a season and took them yes. to the Champions League and won exactly. them the Champions yes. League, right? Yeah. So the players definitely had it in them.
1: I think Lampard probably um, should go back to Derby County football and coach there for a while and develop his skill set. Um, you know, I think I think overall, I, look, I'm, I'm a bit hesitant when, when players, ex-players, especially famous ex-players, become coaches um it ends up uh we spoke before before the part about um Rude Van Nistelrooy. i think Rude's probably the exception uh most most end up in you know in in the back end of the table or you know they'll have one good season where everybody's you know shouting their name from the rooftops and then the following season they'll just crash and burn because they can't maintain it um so it, it, like I mean, we've had Villa, we've had we we Everton. So I think those are failed experiments, and we probably need to look at a little bit more experience before we bring these guys through.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think well, Steven Gerrard did win a league title in in Scotland. Yeah, that's true. And then we had Oli Gunnar, who's won a couple of league titles in Norway before before Manchester United. Frank Lampard, did he actually win the league title with Derby? Like, did they finish top of the championship? Uh,
1: that is a good question. I don't believe so, but I'll check. Um,
0: and then, you know, there's also Wayne Rooney, who's out there managing.
1: <laughs> I, I thought he was managing his under-sixes. under, under sixes. <laughs> 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 um, No, he's, he's, in, he's in the States, right? Um, same thing.
0: Yeah, he's at DC United.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Look, I think I think it's interesting. I think there's certain types of players who have the capacity to um, not. It's not this tactical side of it. Well, a tactical side is also important, but the the EQ component that Alex Ferguson had that allows a player and a coach to connect at some level. So that they have their understanding, I, I don't think uh, players that become coaches have enough time to develop that skill set, and I think that's what separates great coaches um, from very average coaches within within the league. Um, it's not just, and I'm not just talking about uh, football. This is, I think, the same is true for rugby league. Um, if you look at if you look at some of the some of the coaches that have come through, you, you always hear about like, um, you know, the, the great examples, right? But I think it takes time for them to build their craft. And I, I think Gus Gould was the guy who said who said this. I, I remember him talking about this a, um, a while back that we don't give coaches enough time to develop their skill set. And I think the Premier League's too high of a league for them to develop their skill set.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think there's too much too much at stake in the in the Premier League for them to really for a young manager. Really, you know, you need you need to hone that craft at the lower leagues and to, uh, at at like a at a club that's going to back you really. And it's interesting you mention that like honing off the skill is that is that also like that was something that you saw that was similar uh, that was a kind of a pattern in the NFL right
1: uh yeah yeah it, it's interesting in the NFL because there are players who do become coaches um and uh, but it's it's players who have a lot shorter careers not not really the ones that have the longer careers ironically there are some players who do have longer careers in the NFL who do become successful coaches but they're rare more often than not you see the, the QB coach or um, uh, like a, a linebacker's coach that ends up as defensive coordinator or the offensive coordinator um, within, uh, within the NFL in a particular team. And with the way that the NFL is heading, there's a lot of offensive coordinators that become head coaches. And so therefore you see ex-QBs or... Uh, backup QBs who who have played in the league for a long period of time becoming head coaches and that, that was actually a it's, a it's a it's a very common channel of um, uh, path from from coaching where you you start off as a backup QB you you become the the QB uh, the QBs coach and then from the QBs coach you go to you, you may go into like um, a pass uh, past game specialist or something like that to offensive coordinator and then become the head coach. So it, it, this,
0: yeah. So, Kevin, tell me, like, you know, NFL, you have like 52 players in a squad. Is the coaching team also then just like 11 players? Is it just a football team to coach – an NFL team is that what it takes? I can
1: run through all the different. The, it depends on the squad because some, like if you're if you're in, if you're in the New England Patriots, they have notoriously less amount of coaches than they probably should have, uh, and they also they don't okay. pay them as much. But well, why? It's just, it's is, it, is it's, it? I reckon it's because Bill doesn't want to have coaches who are coaching for money. He wants coaches who have passion oh, for God. the game, right? Is he cutting his own paycheck? Like,
0: is he reducing his? own I, don't, paycheck I actually don't because, think he takes that know, much money. Have
1: you seen, like I've seen his kitchen before? It's not really? that big. <laughs> he drafted in his kitchen. Not he drafted not that big. in his kitchen one year, and I swear to God, there is a still of his dog sitting in front of the computer while he's obviously gone and done something else in the middle of a draft. It's it's a bit of a meme that's floating around the internet.
0: So, so he just has like what, what he just has like a pile of cash like stuffed in a wall somewhere. Then
1: I think he's. I think it could be a tactic. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just it's the Warren Buffett sort of situation where yes, I have a lot of money, but I'm going to live simple and humble because I don't want it to let it go to my head. Which is which is reasonable. I mean, you got a lot of excess nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but speaking <laughs> speaking fair. of coaches, um, the NFL has uh, so you have your your head coach. Then you have for each team you have a, a coach. So that's that's already four. So you have got your head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and special teams coach, right? And underneath, and then kick return. Uh, special teams is the kick return, yeah. okay, and then cool. each t- and each group of coaches have a. Um, a unit coach that sits under for each position group underneath that. So you have defensive line, offensive line, wide receivers, tight ends coach, running backs coach, um, linebackers, defensive backs, I think is one group. Um, Then there's the special teams coaches, which I think are somewhere along the lines of uh, the uh, the. The kicking coaches and um, punting coaches—I think they're the same person—and maybe that's where they make a few sacrifices and say, "Well, we have enough." <laughs> <laughs> well, we're already at twelve, <laughs> so that's—it's <so. laughs> well, almost a rugby pitch. We could, we could field, we could field a reasonable team, um, yeah. And and some and some—the best is—and some have assistant head coaches, which are not associated to any particular position; they just float around.
0: They're just assistants to, assistant to them. They're yeah. just like, I just need someone to go tell the other person
1: yeah. <laughs> to yeah. do this. And surprisingly, they're probably like coaches in the NFL are most overworked um, individuals. Like they work like during a season, like 16 hour days. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, I I don't think you can underestimate like the life of a coach because you have to be there hours before the players get there to set up to plan you train you dare when the players are there and then you're probably there packing up and making a plan for the next day after the players leave and then you go home and then you come back
1: and do it all over again yeah pretty much um actually there's a there's a famous quote by tony dungy uh, who's the Super Bowl winning coach um, for the Indianapolis Colts? My favorite team. He said that when he was uh, coaching, one of the most common statements coaches made were: "To win a Super Bowl, you have to forego everything. You have got to forego family. You got to fore- forego your health. You have to. You just have to live and breathe to win that Super Bowl. Because it's if you like put in perspective, it's one in thirty-two. It's, it's a. It's a huge. It's extremely difficult." Um, uh, thing to do, especially considering we don't have the sort of EPL situation where you can buy your way to winning a um, a cup, right? Yeah. In, in the NFL, because of the salary cap, you have to be you have to have the right place at the right time with the right coaches, um, and it all makes it, it makes it hugely difficult. So, putting, he said that after he had won, he said that that proves that you can have a life outside. You can still go home to your kids, and I, I think. It sort of speaks to the culture that's there as well. It's very hard grain that you know yep. this is what we expect and this is what needs to be delivered. And it, I think that's probably also a reflection
0: of uh, the American work culture. Oh yeah, I think
1: so too. Is what well. well. yeah. I mean. There is there is aspects aspects to the American work culture that's very handshake agreement, which um, comes into you know why there's probably not as many minority coaches in the NFL, which is a big thing at the moment because it's a class action lawsuit. Uh, you know, mm. There is a rule called the Rooney Rule, which requires each organization when they're going through the hiring process to make sure that they interview legitimately uh, minority candidates. So I think there's a minimum number. I think there's one or two it needs to be for each hiring cycle. But it, But putting that aside, there's also this conflict of, well majority of the players are minority as in they're African American or they're Hispanic and um well if they're majority of the players you would presume that they would make up majority of the coaching but it's it's, it's yeah coaching. it's never been the case uh there's there's uh, you know the argument is that uh, typically if you're a caucasian athlete um you've don't have a chance to enter the league because there is a talent gap, and because there is a talent gap, you go into coaching, and therefore you have a head start on these guys who spend three or four years in the league. You can you can t- you can make that argument certainly, but there's also the fact that majority yep. of the owners are, you know, Caucasian white uh, billionaires. Yep, um, and you know. Like in any business, you hire the people that you know and trust, the people who unfortunately look like you, which is a bit of a problem.
0: Yeah. Or you feel more comfortable even if you don't know.
1: Exactly, yeah. You know? Yeah. Without casting your subversions.
0: And that that does create that interesting question because, you know, I think pretty much every, like I think most coaches now are are ex-players. And I am not, I'm not 100% on the NFL, but you see a lot now, a lot of pathways for, play, for players to turn into coaches, uh, especially like, you know now, now more so than ever in cricket as well. Uh, football, pretty much most of the sports, there's bit, the older coaches have some history. Not so much in rugby. That's an interesting one, isn't it?
1: Union, not so much. In league? if we think about who's coaching right now in, in league, um, there's, there is a few, few. there is a few. It's, it's arguable that they're successful. Like if you look at like the Trent Robinson's of the world, there's probably more of those kinds of players who've been, who play for a couple of years and then move on. They're not like, they're not like these. Like I wouldn't expect, for instance, Sean Johnson to be a yeah Standard. to be to be a coach. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? There's yeah. <laughs> there's different yeah. tiers of players that we that that end up as um that end up as a coach, and I don't think it's the same across the board. I think it's also well. That's what's going to make this year's uh, state of origin really interesting because uh, Billy Slater is yeah. coaching the Queensland. Yeah, he did. He did uh, last year as well. Yeah. And see how he yeah. goes. Um so it is and he won last year. But but I mean Freddie Filler was a fantastic player. He's a, yeah, he's a Hall of Fly, uh, rugby league Hall of Famer. So he's you know, he's he's a pretty well established player and Yeah, and it's
0: Ricky Stewart, Kevin Walters. Yeah. They're, they're both coaching, and they haven't really won titles or anything else like oh, that. Oh Ricky
1: but. Stewart's actually won a title. He won a title for the Roosters, surprisingly. Oh that was yeah, a long time That was a ago. long time ago. <laughs> Jeez, how
0: long has Ricky Stewart been? Coaching?
1: Ricky Stewart basically, Jeez, yeah, that was basically all. retired and then immediately started coaching. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. makes sense. And like Desi Hasler, he's got a he's got a title or two titles, I can't remember um, with Manly, and and he went to one title with the Doggies. Yeah, with yeah. the
0: Doggies, right? Yeah,
1: Gus Gould was an ex-player. He, I don't think he was as as good yeah. as any of the players that we're talking about.
0: Well. And That's you know the top of the the top of the charts is Ivan Cleary. Yeah,
1: he was an ex-player, obviously.
0: Yeah, Next warrior yeah. as well. Yeah. did he? He's top. He was. He was the. He was a. He was a top. He was one of the top players for the Warriors yeah. as well. Which
1: is unfortunate because a, I, f- I feel like as if I was a Warriors fan, the biggest regret of my last twenty years is the fact that Ivan Cleary was let go. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, don't start like.
0: Honestly, <laughs> I've just been watching it for so long. I think it's, even when it happened, it was like, why is our grand final coach leaving? And he came out in a press conference that I am leaving. I don't want to go. And we were all like, yeah, he took us to grand final. Why, why is he leaving? Like, we
1: don't want him to go. No one wants him to leave. He was. He was okay. To put it in context, he was let go before he made the grand final, right? I, I think. I know, but he was sitting there in the grand final. <laughs> it's it's nuts. Like the look. Uh, I mean, we're we're in the same. Like uh, we're in the same boat. We're 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 basically cousins in in the rugby league. Saying we're gonna we're gonna suffer the same, um and we have been suffering the same for a very long time.
0: Not this year. Not this year, Kevin. This Your year, optimism this year's all, it's all fixed
1: uh,
0: now. It's it's all resolved. We, we have we have signed all the right players, you've let go of all the bad ones. It's it's all full, full guns ahead for this year.
1: <laughs> the amount of times, amount of times <laughs> in my life that a Warriors Warriors fan has said that to me, I would be retired. Uh <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh. I just want to say it once, it'd be true. Like it would just feel really good, but yes, power of coaching, right? Like, and, and that can, that can really turn the, you know, turn the team around. Like, um, you know, Ivan Cleary did that. And then after he left, it was just kind of, it took away some of the culture. It took away some of the, some of those practices. We seeing, we seeing other teams benefit from changes, changes in coaches. We're seeing Arsenal benefit from not changing their coach because Arteta's bought some consistency and you know bought that over time. Like he's 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 honed almost given time to hone his skill. Klopp potentially ran out of ideas. He's been maybe maybe at Liverpool too long. Maybe he needs new support coaches to change, bring him some new ideas, and maybe refresh his style or refresh the players in the way they're training. Pep, uh, I don't know. Maybe he just he he probably doesn't need to change anything. He just needs to not play with the striker anymore, and he'll start winning every single game again.
1: And just pray to God that that the club officials don't don't screw him over with you know financial fair play and <laughs> yeah. things like that. Um, speaking of which, there is a there is a um, there is a a world in which Jose Mourinho could still be the Manchester United coach. After winning a title, um,
0: and there's also a world where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a Premier League winning coach. Yeah, w- with Manchester, which United. makes and that would have been that would which, been which
1: would makes me feel better about the last ten years. The fact that the fact that I can say <laughs> at some level it doesn't have to be true, but the fact that now I can say to a Man City supporter, <laughs> "Yeah, you cheated." We should have had two titles. Yeah. It makes me feel better about myself. The,
0: the only thing that takes away from that is that we United having two titles actually gives Liverpool three titles, and then that brings them level on titles with Manchester United. So there's a there's a double-edged sword there. Yeah.
1: What do I hate more?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Would I rather us not win, or just Liverpool not? I don't know.
1: Liverpool not win. I don't know. That's a that's a very good question. We should do a fan poll to see, like, what would we prefer: Liverpool losing or Manchester Manchester United winning? No, no, but it, it's there's a there's a caveat there. Manchester United winning over Man City. I don't know which one's like if it's just winning, then I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, so it's it's not just. Man United winning, but if you give Man United two titles, you have to give Liverpool three titles. And that would take so currently Liverpool have nineteen? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Man United have twenty. So if Man United get two and Liverpool get three, then they're tied on title.
1: Yeah, I I think I think that's that might be a bridge too far. I I think that's probably my limit. (laughs) I don't think like I, I know there is there is part of me that sort of goes Um, we'll probably never, ever have that run that we did with Alex Ferguson ever again. Like we were too blessed. Like everything happened perfectly. We got blessed by the gods for a solid, what, I would would say like 15 years or something like that.
0: To have that team and the consistency. Yeah, And,
1: and then I think we're just never going to ever get that back again. We were at the same oh, level. It's,
0: I don't think Alex Ferguson could redo it again. Like that was, that was just that kind of period that I don't think, I don't think it's feasible. I, don't, I just don't think it's possible in modern football. Like it just isn't It too many variables, too many, you know, competing, I guess, competing responsibilities. Or compete. There's too much, too much on and there'd be too much competition as well. Like it's just, you know, you get just swipe swiped by like a by a rich investor, which happened once or twice to to Alex Ferguson as well, right? Yeah, And that's kind of what happened with with Blackburn um, and with Chelsea. Jose Mourinho stepped in and just Chelsea went out and bought a whole bunch of players, and they put a, they put together a good team and they won the title. And it
1: feels exactly like what's happening right now. Chelsea have just gone and bought a whole bunch of players, and um, next year they'll probably win a title with Potter. Hmm it maybe the FA the, cup but the, yeah. it's a title um, yeah it, it's interesting to think about the coaches uh from the perspective of who would actually make coming back to the lampard and you know gerard conversation what sort of players actually make good coaches um just from the tactical standpoint i don't i feel like that, with, with with exceptions uh that some players who who would play typically in that front forward position, like an Erling Haaland, for instance, who are physically gifted, would not be able, would not be a good coach. Um, it's it's the same yeah. thing with Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't think he has the. It's it's the ego. Yeah, putting the, <laughs> ego is a big part, but the, he's got he play his his game is not replicable, right? So yeah. And you can tell by, you know, how he treats his teammates that it's not something he's not... I've never really thought that uh, Cristiano made his teammates better. He he was peak. He was the best thing. He made his team better because he just did, did everything. everything. Exactly. Right. But he never made the players around him. Like Luka, Luka Modric is a, is a great example of a player who makes everybody around him a little bit better. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, Messi's probably in the last World Cup, I can say that he's 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 managed to attain some of that. Hmm.
0: I think one player who's obviously been really understated in terms of that was Wayne Rooney, and he sacrificed himself for the team consistently. Like, he'd be the one, instead of being up front scoring goals, he'd just be running all around all over the pitch, making tackles and tracking runners to, you know basically be like it's okay Ronaldo you stay up you score all the goals we'll win as a team then he then after Ronaldo left Rooney became the, the main man and he scored a ton of goals and then Fergie went oh we're gonna get we're gonna get Berbatov and then we're gonna get Van Persie and Rooney's like all right I'll just drop a little bit deeper so that Van Persie can score a ton of goals and that's exactly what happened and he just goes around just filling gaps in the team and you know making helping his team play better overall.
1: Yeah, and maybe maybe Rooney will end up being a good coach because of that.
0: <laughs> I, I was actually going to say um, the players that turn out to be good coaches are probably ones that are on the bench a lot or just spend a lot of time injured. Because all they can do is sit there and watch their teammates train and watch the coaches explain to their teammates what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. Yeah, that's
1: a really interesting thought. So the the players who are injured have a bit of unfulfillment when it comes to their footballing career. And maybe maybe that's what drives them to become great coaches. So that that would make mm-hmm. a lot of sense from the psychological standpoint. Like it, it makes logical sense that people would think in that manner that you know, what's the saying? Those who can't do teach, those who can't teach, yeah. teach P. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then what bracket does Zizou fall into? Like Zinedine Zidane, is he just got, is it just um, basically from the World Cup final, he just has unresolved memories <laughs> that he's trying to, trying to fix. so He just keeps turning up for Real Madrid and winning a Champions League title.
1: I think Zizou uh, probably when he head-butted that other player, I can't remember what his name was, Matsurasi, yeah, in that World Cup it shook something loose and it triggered certain aspects of his (laughs) brain and now he's transformed that into his new path, I guess. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. And... You know, like um, I guess you know, we say some coaches have had transformative impacts on players. Some coaches have completely opposite. <laughs> you know, Jose Mourinho, classic example, has has done both to the same group of players. He's,
1: he's you know, <laughs> he's the Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde of, of coaches. Yeah, one side he's he's fantastic. He's like you know, ups, lifts you, yeah. all that kind of stuff, and then he just destroys you when you get even slightly too overconfident, which which is not such a bad thing. I think you just got to pare it down um, little bits, maybe uh, that wildly inconsistent EQ. I guess.
0: So speaking of Jose Mourinho,
1: I think it's time.
0: We called it a night two. And that's all from us tonight. This has been uh, the Backpass Valentine's Day edition um, of just... Ali and Kevin talking about coaching and in a whole bunch of range of sports and uh, just discussing what's what it's been like witnessing some of the different coaching coaching aspects and some of the interesting coaching bits going around the world. Thank you for joining us. If you want to get sports nerdy with us, uh, hit us up on our socials on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at the Backpass Pod. Thanks for listening. See you next week.